I want to welcome you to worship this morning. It is um, finally starting to clear up. We've had a dreary, rainy, yucky day. But in Florida, we're still grateful because it's not snow. So we'll take it. If you will please stand and join me for the call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, we say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. For our homes and families, for our church and friendship, for food and fellowship. Thank you, God, for a new life in Jesus Christ, for love, for belonging, and for this time of thanks and praise. We all now rejoice and feast in the gifts and grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. If you'll stay standing and join us for Come Ye Thankful People Come. Please join together in our invocation prayer. We are welcomed into your presence this day by your gracious hospitality, O God. Grant that we will lay aside our cares and anxieties to concentrate on your thoughts on you alone. 
Open us to the teaching and guidance for living which we receive, that we will be strengthened to walk with you and follow wherever you lead us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. So we come to a time in our service where we're talking about our pegs, our opportunities to pray, engage, give, and serve. And there are so many opportunities in New Horizon, and we want each and every week to sort of talk about different things that we're doing and give you opportunities to choose where your heart is led. This week, we're going to begin, be beginning our angel tree. And each and every year, we have been um, blessed and privileged to have angels for students, angels for our foster care families, angels for schools, and all kinds of different communities. And this year, our focus is on our students of nourishing lives. There are 242 of them and our foster care students. So if you would like to participate in our angel tree, we have angels as you come in or you can go online. Um, we are looking for $25 gift cards to Target or Walmart because those are easy places for our families to be able to go and provide a, a Christmas gift or get the necessities that they need for their family or their children. You may also go online and just market Angel Tree or Gifts for Children. And we look forward to being able to serve our community in this way. And we thank you so much in advance because each and every year, although the number seems crazy big, we have been able to abundantly serve our children. So thank you so much.
like to invite Pastor Peyton to come up and say the morning prayer. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you so much to our bells. This morning is the last Sunday before we begin a season of Advent. And in our tradition, we celebrate this as the Reign of Christ Sunday or Christ the King Sunday. And today I'm going to be sharing a prayer that was written by Roddy Hamilton for this particular day. So if you would bow your heads with me. Create a throne room for yourself here, O Christ. But let it be the empty seat beside the anxious, the lonely chair next to the confused, the vacant pew next to the hungry, and reign, O Jesus, as sovereign over the forgotten. May, you, may your reign be a mockery to the world, but good news to those who seek out truth. And may we join them in the search, finding you walking the streets, or breaking bread, or sitting by bedsides. May we find you in the border areas, on the edges of things, crossing over with the foreigner. May we find you among the children, learning to finger paint as teachers to those who long to enjoy life again. May we find you with the worried, silenced with nothing to say and space enough to keep it. May we find you on the wrong side of the tracks, going where you should not go and finding a place to lay your head among the lost. May we find you, O Lord, singing our songs of justice and peace and removing your crown to do so. May we find you with the word that lives in the hopes of the afraid and a comforting peace for those who are broken. May we find you laughing at the powerful unnerving of what folk think is so secure while welcoming those who have nothing into your throne room. O Jesus, reigning in the world with your upside-down kingdom, may we find the faith to stand with you, sovereign of life and servant of all. Hear us, Father, as we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen.
Amen. You may be seated. So our scripture this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians. I picked that just so I could prove I could say it. (laughs) Um, It is Paul's first letter. If it were to be put in chronological order in the Bible, it would be before the Gospels. And it's the first real evidence we have um, of the existence of Christianity and how it starts. Um, Another note is that the the authorship of this letter is uncontested. So a lot of times scholars kind of wrestle with what did Paul actually write and what did one of his followers or a a disciple of his write. This is one that they all agree is written by Paul. So it's the perfect introduction to his letters. Um, if If you've never read them, this is the one. Pick this one. It's short, you can read it in just one sitting, um, kind of like a sound bite, right? Um, and it's, it's a wonderfully well-written, encouraging letter. So our verse this morning is, how can we thank God enough for you, given all the joy we have because of you before our God? Night and day, we pray more than ever to see all of you in person and to complete whatever you still need in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself guide us on our way back to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before God and Father. When our Lord Jesus comes with all his people, amen. Father God, we ask that you hear our cry this morning, that you hear our need for you, and that you sense our gratitude for all you've given us. We ask to be encouraged by your word as we prayerfully consider what it means for our lives and how we might need to change. Amen. So this letter is written to the Gentile believers. Um, those who believed in Israel's God and in Jesus Christ, his son. And it's really profoundly pastoral. In other words, you know, this is, this is a dad talking to his family. He just, he, Paul is just pouring everything into in this. He highlights faith and love and hope as um, gifts that come from God and not as human attributes that we've somehow earned or grown And in this section, he offers gratitude for all the believers and encouragement for them to grow in their love for each other as God has loved them, so they should love others too. And his expression of thanksgiving and love is so powerful. Um, It really should be read as a love letter to those believers and, and perhaps to us as well. Especially this time of year with the holidays approaching, we can appreciate Paul's deep desire to visit these people that he's come to love. I think we feel probably even more appreciative as we've faced the past couple of years, the challenges of the pandemic. We've been missing the connection with each other in person. I know I spent almost two years without seeing my mother. She didn't even get to meet her new granddaughter until she was 16 months old. And I'm sure you all have those experiences and those stories of ways that you haven't been able to connect in this time. I know how Paul felt to be far away and separated from the people he cared about. Um, I was 19 when we moved down here to Florida. My husband was a police officer. And so in a search for job security, we decided to pick the top three states that we thought had the highest crime levels. (laughs) 
So, in a, yeah, yeah, you laugh, but it's true. Um, job security. So, um, my husband ended up working for the city of Miami Beach, and in the early 80s, if any of you remember those days, right, cocaine cowboys and refugees, and it was the Wild West of the universe. And we ended up here at 19 years old. Um, my family all lived in Massachusetts still. So you can imagine, um, as a young family starting out, we really couldn't afford that travel back and forth. It was very expensive. Even some of you will remember long distance phone calls. Remember those? Stupid expensive, right? So even just calling my mom was out of the question. Um, my sister and I were pregnant together with the first grands of our family. We had babies just two months apart. And so we had to get really creative about trying to keep the kids connected. Um, there are five altogether of, of that layer of kids. And it was complicated and tricky and expensive. But we managed to make it so her kids would come down for a couple weeks, my kids would go up for a couple weeks, and we got to stay connected. But it took effort. Um, but now our kids are grown with kids of their own, and guess what? They're all still connected. They all still have a special bond. Jack is one of my mom's um, five great-grandsons, and then sweet Lucy came along. So tell me she's spoiled, right? One out of six grands. So Paul loved these people like that, like family. He had a special, close relationship with them. And I mentioned to read it like a love letter. You know what I mean? That, that read it over and over again and find the encouragement and be lifted up and look for that special meaning, like what did he really mean when he said that to me? That kind of love letter. Revel in the love and care that's offered. And note that that mutual love stems first from God's love for all of us. We have a vertical love, right, between God and us. And we have a horizontal love between us and everybody else. And Paul prays that God increase our love for each other as God loves us. That's quite the challenge to live up to. We're to live out that love, that gift from God in our everyday lives. Paul cultivates that love in this letter with three things. And you could probably find others, but I'm going to pick three because you don't want to hear me for the next two hours, right? Um, so we're going to look at thanksgiving or gratitude, encouragement, and prayer. So thanksgiving. Paul says, thank you for all the joys we feel before our God because of you. This is what he says to these people that he, that he loves. I thank you for all the joys because of you. The discipline of giving thanks to God, of giving thanks to and for others, it helps us to see people differently when we can do that. It opens our eyes to see them the way God does. And I don't know about you, but I'm way more likely to treat somebody with love and compassion if I know how much love and compassion I've received. Um, just like I'm more likely to be forgiving if I know how much I've been forgiven. One author called it um, Thanksgiving therapy. It helps strengthen our ability to see others the way God sees us. Having an attitude of gratitude changes the way we see others and how we respond to their needs. It's more than words. It requires action. We have to take time to notice God working around and through, through us and through others, and make note of those moments where gratitude is displayed and find a way to join in. I don't know 
know if you saw the story on the news um, just the other day, Tuesday maybe. Um, after winning a, a big game, um, Dexter Dennis of Wichita State University, anybody nodding yet? Basketball player. So he stayed after the game. He could have gone off. Um, his team was victorious. He could have gone off to celebrate. He could have been boasting all over the media. But instead, this, this reportedly soft-spoken young man shows up in the stands at the arena to help clean up the trash. How cool is that, right? What a message of humility and gratitude. And no one asked him to do it. It wasn't a punishment. You know, he wasn't told to stay after the game and talk to the coach. You know. um, and he even said in the interviews he didn't want the attention. He said it, he decided to clean up because it helps him have perspective. Don't you wish we were all like that, right? Gratitude in action. I've been given something, and now I'm going to give. And I can get that warm, fuzzy feeling, like, oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you, especially for chocolate. But if it doesn't change the way I behave, is that really gratitude? Um, so I have a quirk. I know a few people right now are saying only one, because I know at least two, Lisa. I know. You, know. you have quirks. I'm neurotic about so many things, but this one in particular. I'm neurotic about expiration dates on food labels, right? Especially dairy products. So Pastor Peyton is awesome. If you give her something, you can say to her, smell this. Does this smell okay? Or taste this. Do you think it's all right? Don't do that to me. I'm not doing it. It totally freaks me out. She, in fact, at the last service, so I have my phone up here because we have no clock. So I have my phone up here as a clock. She texted me a link about how to use sour milk in cooking. <laughs> my dear friend, Peyton. <laughs> so it's an odd thing. I get it, but it gives me an opportunity to be grateful. Okay, how? Every time I realize I have the choice not to eat those expired foods, I'm grateful. Perhaps you have a food you really dislike. Can you remind yourself to be grateful every time you don't have to eat those lima beans? Every time you can feed the broccoli to the dog, can you be grateful? Because you get to make that choice. And to carry my gratitude further, I remind myself not only to donate food, but to donate food that's fresh and that I would eat myself. It makes sense, right? I recognize that God has allowed me to exercise options that other people may not have. So I donate to Nourishing Lives or to a local food pantry. And I have that in mind. It's my gratitude that causes my action. The next one is encouragement. It's clear from the text that Paul and Timothy and others have been giving constant encouragement to the Thessalonians. See, I can still say it. Not only encouraging them to stand firm in faith and mission, but to persist in love no matter what. If we're to persist in a course of faithfulness, we need to build each other up. So I found a blogger, her name is Lisa, I'm gonna look, Lisa Bartlett. Um, who, who created these five steps to become an encourager, even if you don't think of yourself as one. And it got my attention because I'm one of those people that loves to handwrite notes and thank yous. And so this one, this one spoke to me, but you can fill in whatever your thing is, and you'll see what I mean. 
So she has these five tips. Assume everyone needs encouragement. Turns out, even people who seem like they're confident and they're living out God's call and they, they were just, they got it all together, they still need encouragement. If you know even one person, you know someone who needs encouragement. Anybody here has never needed encouragement ever? Right? We all need encouragement. She says, notice people. And then she says, I know it sounds a little creepy. But basically, it's how you spend your life, watching people all the time. People tell you a lot without saying any words, don't they? So if you are looking around, you're going to find somebody that needs encouragement if you're looking through the eyes of God at them. She says, do one easy thing now. So for her, texts and Facebook messages were the easy thing. She can just send out a post. In fact, I encourage you, if you want to pick up your phone and send somebody right now, if they need encouragement, have at it. One easy thing right now, right? She says, do one hard thing later. Writing letters to notes and people is harder because it takes more time. It costs a stamp. You have to find a mailbox, right? You got to plan ahead if it's their birthday. Um, and she says, talking to people in person, even harder. You know how awkward it is to walk up to a stranger and say, hey, you're doing a great job today. How to create an awkward moment, right? Um, she says she doesn't always know the addresses and names, so she makes sure to talk to people. Um, she gets over her introverted nature, and she tells the woman cleaning the play area at Chick-fil-A, man, you're doing a great job. Um, she says her friend hands out restaurant gift cards to the garbage collectors at Christmas. There's a thankless job that we all want people to do and not us, right? <laughs> How can we encourage people? And then she says, equip yourself. So I'm much more likely to encourage somebody if I feel prepared to do that. If it's um, postcards and cards, have a stash ready, waiting for you. But you don't have to be equipped with just stuff. Equip yourself with the words. Practice saying thank you. Practice saying I appreciate you. Or <laughs> this one just cracked me up. Practice saying, gosh, this job might seem lame, but you're doing a good work. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to say that to somebody. I don't, I don't feel like that's encouraging. She says, pack a little extra tip money the next time you go out to eat. Listen to other people encouraging each other and learn from them. It's not hard, but it takes work. And then she reminds us to keep repeating as much as necessary. You know, the first time you do something new, you know that anxiety? Even just going to somebody's house for the first time, like, where is it? Am I going to get lost? What if I turn the road? You know, all those things in your head. But the second time you go, it's easier. And by the fifth time, you can do it with your eyes closed, right? So it takes practice. Keep, keep repeating until you can get where you need to be. The more you encourage, the more you want to be encouraged, the more you want to encourage, right? It just keeps this nice circle. So we all need to be raised up and reminded of the good gifts that God has given us because he's given all of us gifts. Everyone needs encouragement in some way or another. If we're to have the love of God flow naturally out of us, we first need someone to show us what it looks like to encourage our growth. So we have to imitate God's compassion for us toward others. I've had many mentors over the years who have taught me and helped encourage me in my journey, beginning with my parents and continuing to today with good friends and role models. You know those people who will tell you the truth? I love those people. In love. Tell you the truth in love. Let's add that. 
because right now I can hear the comments already. So I'm sure you can think of people in your life, right, that you've had that, that encourage you, who lift you up, who, who tell you the truth in love. And you're probably a role model for somebody else. You may not even know it. And you're probably a role model for somebody else's growth. So how are you encouraging those around you? Who, who might you imitate in their compassionate love for others? And for whom might you model that kind of love in return? Encouragement is the key to maintaining ourselves as healthy disciples of Christ. Lift each other up. And finally, prayer. Paul and his companions prayed night and day. They prayed passionately. This is not just a casual prayer, right? God is not a little vending machine to them. Prayer is an essential ingredient for the life of love and compassion because it brings us before God, but on behalf of somebody else. We take away our selfish thoughts and we turn them toward others and their needs. We ask God to act, to give somebody strength, to heal somebody, to, to show them peace, to offer them blessings. And then we go out and work for what we pray for. So I have a friend who's been ill, and of course I pray for her. I pray for her to, to heal, I pray for her to be whole, I pray for her comfort, but then I work toward that result by making a meal and bringing it over, or by paying a visit in the hospital. Praying for others helps us open our eyes to be more compassionate and loving and to help meet their needs. And we don't only pray for our friends and our loved ones, that's not what the Bible says, that's the easy part, right? We're to pray for people we don't even like. We're to pray even for our enemies. Paul says, may the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you for everyone. I remember telling a friend that somebody was driving me crazy. It's not any of you. <laughs> Maybe. And that friend said what you would expect a good Christian friend to say, pray for her. So I prayed, God, please change her. Guess what? She didn't change. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm praying for the wrong thing. I'm going to pray, you know, instead of for what I want, I'm going to start praying for her needs. And guess what? She didn't change. But I did. I learned to love her when I saw her through the eyes of prayer, through the eyes of God. I had another friend who informed me, just so you know, this could be you. Um, she had called me to ask me for a ride to this event. And I said, sure, no problem. It's out of my way, but I'll come get you. And the friend gets in the car and she says, you know, I didn't like you when I first met you. I'm like, that's a great way to get a ride again. <laughs> did, did you want to get off here or should I take you the rest of the way? And she said no. And, and she had to pray. She actually talked to her husband about it. And he just said, that's Lisa being Lisa. You know, let it, let it go. And she had to pray to see me differently because we didn't understand each other. I'm a little sarcastic. And she didn't have the sarcasm gene. So when I was being sarcastic, she thought I was either mean or, you know, just being kind of a nudge. And so we didn't speak the same language. She had to learn to understand my language, and I had to learn to give her space. Right? And yes, we're still friends. But she had to pray for me, thank you, um, before we could be friends. 
we, we are thankful, we're encouraging, and we're prayerful, all in response to God's love for us. And we try to reflect that love to others. That love that strengthens our hearts and helps us build that muscle to keep working, right? You may remember a book called The Shack. Um, it was pretty popular. It was fun because it gave us a different view of God and what God might look like. You know, we're created in the image of God. So if I'm created in the image of God, God's an old white lady who's a little round, right? So it's just fun to picture that, you know, if you're in the image of God. So there's this, um, there's this story about Mac, whose young daughter is abducted, and um, evidence indicates she's murdered in an abandoned shack. And he gets this mysterious note inviting him to come to this shack. The note says it's from God, and in, in visiting the shack, he meets God in the form of a wise woman. And at one point, God's being questioned by Mac about the Trinity. And God speaks about the need for being three persons, yet entirely one. And in explaining this, God says, all love and relationship is possible for you only because it already exists within me, within God myself, within the Trinity. Love is not the limitation. I am love, God says. So over several conversations, Mac picks up on this phrase. God keeps saying, yes, I'm especially fond of that one. And he says, you seem to be especially fond of a lot of people. Are there any who you are not especially fond of? God lifts her eyes as if running down this list of all the created beings. And she says, no, I haven't been able to find any. Guess that's just the way I is. Paul is especially fond of these people. He says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another for all as we abound in love for you. We love because God loved us. And notice that each of these, thankfulness, encouragement, and prayer, have a vertical and a horizontal. So I express my gratitude for what God has given me and who he is and how he loves me. And I respond with love and compassion for the community around me. I'm encouraged and lifted up through God's mercy and grace. And I respond by encouraging others and hopefully modeling as best I can what a disciple of Jesus looks like. I recognize God's blessings in my life and I pray for others. And I take it further by trying to be answered prayer when presented with the opportunity. Can we spend our days encouraging, lifting others up and filled with gratitude? Amen. Lord, help us to be thankful, to encourage others, and to pray and stay connected to you. Let us, as Paul, pray that we may see people the way you see them and love them without hesitation. Lord, help love strengthen our hearts. Amen. If you'll please stand for our closing song.
Go inspired to serve one another with gratitude and empowered by the love of God to do so. Go forth from this place to work in company with all of God's children, encouraged and encouraging to do God's work and God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That in praying for and loving and serving one another, the kingdom of God may come to this world through you. Amen. <laughs>